Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're up to, including all of our other podcasts, over at blisterreview.com. Once again, we are broadcasting this episode from our home here in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado. And now would be a good time to start planning a trip here to experience our wide open spaces and do some running or hiking or biking on our vast network of trails here in Gunnison and Crested Butte. Okay, now I'm sure that most of you are familiar with the BOA Fit system. It's that, you know, dial thingy that you sometimes see on various shoes and snowboard boots instead of where you would normally find good old-fashioned shoelaces. But how many of you are actually up to speed on what BOA is up to today? And let's go one step further and let me ask how many of you have seen those BOA dials and thought, really? What's wrong with regular old shoelaces. And I'll admit that I pretty much fit that description myself, and so I headed to the BOA Technology Headquarters, located in the Rhino neighborhood of Denver, Colorado, to get a tour of BOA HQ and to check out the BOA Performance Fit Lab and sit down with a couple of scientists, namely Dan Feeney and Kate Harrison, have them fill me in on what BOA is up to today and see if maybe I'd have a change of heart. So yeah, Dan Feeney is BOA's biomechanics research engineer. He has a PhD in neuromechanics from the University of Colorado Boulder, and he has a background as a former professional triathlete and Division I runner. And Kate Harrison ran for West Virginia University and Team Canada, and she did her PhD studying the biomechanics of injury in runners. And so this is the conversation that I had with Dan and Kate last week. And on that note, here we go. So I am here, currently, the BOA Performance Fit Lab at the BOA Technologies Headquarters, which we sometimes might call the BOA Fit System Headquarters. I just had a tour of the facilities with Dan and Kate. That was very interesting. And I now know that the conversation that we are about to have now and that you are about to hear is gonna be an interesting one too. So Dan, just to bring people up to speed who might not know, tell us a little bit about this company, when it got started, what you do here. Great, thanks. So BOA Technology, or the BOA Fit System, started in 2001 in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Our founder, Gary Hammerslag, wanted to come up with a better way to make snowboard boots fit. It started there, but it's really launched into a ton of different areas. So we oftentimes refer to them as segments. You'll see BOA Fit Systems on snowboarding boots, schemo, cycling, trail running shoes, court shoes, and more. What we do here is we actually want to scientifically prove that if a shoe fits better, you should perform better. And so Kate and my role in the biomechanics lab, which we call the performance fit lab, is to scientifically prove the efficacy of BOA fit systems on end product. To take it one step back, though now we're really at the kind of Captain Obvious point, the BOA system itself is different from a traditional 
shoe with a traditional laced configuration. Kate, your job is to say something smarter about that difference and how we actually sort of talk about these things. Yeah, so if you look at um, the history of the company and first we were a closure system and just how can we get this to attach to your foot? And then we realized we can actually change the shape and the configuration of how we're wrapping the foot um, using the BoaFit system so it conforms to your foot better in an entirely new way that just wouldn't be possible with laces. And so our our goal is to one, prove that we do change the fit um, and improve the fit. And second, to see how that translates to performance. Yeah. And we were talking a bit earlier. I mean, I, years ago, I think it was one of the first Alpine touring boots I ever owned had a liner with the BOA closure system on it. And that's like exactly the word I would use, right? Closures. And what's been interesting in our conversations here today, and as you guys have already sort of spoken to this, the goal now is not just to figure out like, well, let's just tear off shoelaces and slap a new dial way to close a liner or a shoe or a boot. But the stuff that you guys, you know, get paid to do is come up with all of these sort of performance metrics around fit and what a better fitting shoe or boot, et cetera, what kind of performance benefits those can produce? And you're measuring that. That, That's okay. So talk a little bit about how in the world you get jobs like this. So let's just go a little bit over how long you've been here and what your respective backgrounds look like. Let's start with Dan. Sure. I've been at BOA for a little over two and a half years. I have a PhD in the neuromechanics of human movement and a master's in biomechanics. And so I've been in the sports world for a long time. I was a professional triathlete for five years and I was a runner in college. So running and all of the sports that BOA works in has always been near and dear to my heart. Um, After studying this for a PhD, I was lucky enough to be able to have the opportunity to help start this lab two and a half years ago. Kate. Yeah, I guess uh, similarly just grew up playing a lot of sports. um, And so that was always where my passion laid and eventually got into running as my primary sport and went to college uh, for exercise physiology because I was just really wanted to figure out how can I become a better athlete. Um, And that curiosity then stemmed into pursuing a master's degree um, focused in biomechanics um, as I was also continuing to run. So I think a lot of my questions in Uh, science actually came from my own personal experiences. I was a long distance runner, ran cross country for Canada on West Virginia University. And as I was finishing up my master's, I thought I was done with school. I was kind of, uh, you know, wanted to get out in the real world, but was fortunate enough that someone did ask, hey, would you be interested in doing a PhD? And so buckled down for another um, four years of school studying running biomechanics and particularly related to injury. And then I think as I was talking about before, in academia, it's really more focused on public health issues. It's hard to build a career in academia at this point focused on performance. And so I wanted to pursue a career in industry where I could make that a goal to help people run as fast as they can or ski as fast as they can. And so I found this opportunity at BOA um, just about a year ago, and it's been a blast. 
I'm going to guess quite a few people out there listening to this who are like, yeah, yeah, of course I'm familiar with BOA. I recognize the little dial thing and the rest, but I never have had a big problem with shoelaces. Didn't really know that there was like a thing I should be rethinking, but that is literally exactly what you guys do here, right? And when I came in, one of the first things, Dan, that you said to me was like, we're not trying to just be a laces replacement company. And hence, we are sitting in your laboratory right now. So let's start talking a little bit about like for those who, you know, this might be a bit of a foreign concept, make the case here. What could you possibly be looking to get out of this BOA fit system that I am not getting out of shoelaces other than I don't have shoelaces on my shoes? For sure. I think one thing is shoes have been tied and closed the same way for decades. A ton of the other materials from midsoles and outsoles have changed, and we know they've improved performance. But we truly haven't thought about how can we make a shoe fit better so you can better take advantage of some of those performance enhancements. What we're trying to do with BOA is fundamentally rethink where a shoe needs to fit. So we oftentimes simplify it by thinking, where do we want flexibility, where do we want fit, and where do we want freedom in the shoe? And with that, we design our configurations, which is how we put together our laces, dials, and guides in ways that we think inherently you can't do it with laces. And so we're fundamentally changing how the shoe fits your foot. And if it changes how it fits your foot and it fits better, you ought to improve performance a bit. What did he mess up or leave out, Kate? (laughs) Yeah, I just, I think it was all absolutely correct. And I think As you mentioned, we've been using laces for decades, probably even more than that, centuries. And I think people took it for granted that I always get this pressure point on the top of my foot. And that's just is what it is. And now we're finally getting to the point like it doesn't have to be that way. And a shoe can perform better if we can avoid maybe some of the areas of high pressure versus not enough pressure. Um, So just giving that option and kind of looking into an area we've always just kind of uh, taken for granted. One of the things that I think is interesting about what you two do in this lab is you are literally assigned to not just, because this sounds like beautiful marketing speak, everything that we've said so far, right? Like perfect, like on point with the marketing. But your whole job is to literally try to test different configurations of this BOA fit system. Because it's not like it's a one size fits all thing, like you can modify this a bit. But your, your job is to see like, oh, we didn't actually see any performance benefits, measurable performance benefits versus this other version of a BOA configuration or this laced up configuration of a shoe or a boot. So that's the part where it starts to move away from just marketing talk to like, you're supposed to come up with the numbers, correct? Fundamentally, we're scientists first. So I think we take that very seriously, and I think that's represented by both of our backgrounds and how we operate the lab. So we are not going to make things up. We're going to be as objective as we can because we truly want to push the different sports that we work in further. And the only way we're going to do that is if we can make a tangible and meaningful difference. Um, And so there are tons of things that don't work and don't provide a performance benefit. And I think it's equally as important for our jobs for us to tell our company and the brands we work with when it doesn't work. Yeah, for sure. I think um, you don't want to be, I think we have the opportunity to tell it like it is and say, it doesn't work now, 
but we can make it work. We can make it better. Um, and so understanding that's not the end point and that we're here not only to prove that it works, but also to help innovation and say, if it's not working or we think it could be better, how could it be better and continue to iterate and uh, grow year over year. Okay. So let's say that somebody is still listening to this conversation and they're still a little bit in the like, yeah, I'm not buying it yet, right? So help people, again, who I think a lot have happily tied their shoes, you know, for many decades, give me your best case to help people rethink, like, again, what we're even talking about here, you know, to kind of bring people to the, oh, like, I sort of get it. And I ha I was making all these assumptions or just assuming the status quo was as good as it could get or just couldn't really be improved on. Mostly, I just wasn't thinking about it. Dan, let's start with you. Great. I think first off, we like it if somebody wants to try to call BS on a claim because I think that means people are thinking about the conversation. Um, our job is to make sure that we don't have any BS in our claims. And I think really the proof is in the pudding once you actually try a shoe on. BOA is a very tangible thing. And I think to your point, it, it can seem esoteric. Why does this matter? So if you go and try the Saucony Switchback 2, the La Sportiva Cyclone, some of our BOA snowboarding boots, and then compare it to what you had with the lace boot, I think you have a very hard time going back to the moment before you tried that on for the first time. It's an inherently different feel. Yeah, and then I think we do make the effort to go the extra step that isn't always taken a certain industry research in publishing our scientific research. Um, so it's one thing to have this lab and say we're doing all this research, but you don't have to just trust that we're doing it. We have a paper that's going to be published. Um, there's a preprint available online already on Sport Archive, but it will be published in a peer-reviewed journal within the next month or so. And uh, some more studies that we've planned on the way. So you don't have to take our word for it. We've documented our process and the results. And um, this study was done by a third party. And so we're trying trying to do our due diligence and not let our own biases come into play. We're having third parties test this for us to make sure we're not missing anything. Talk to me a little bit about the third party. Who is this third party? Uh, yeah, so um, the third party here would be academic uh, researchers. And for us specifically, we've had a really close partnership with the University of Denver, uh, their human dynamics lab. Um, so Dr. Davidson has been a really good partner, and along with several of his PhD and master's students. And so we'll say, hey, we think we found something, and then give it to them to say, can you um, do a large-scale study and make sure there's nothing we're missing and make sure that we're not making any claims we shouldn't be, they can support those. I think to add on, one of the things that we've been really adamant about with this lab, and it's really nice because we're growing the lab from nothing, is we want to be as open and transparent about our methodology, our data, our code as possible. So there's a big push in all of scientific, medical scientific literature to do what's called open science. And that's something that we fully embrace. So we work with the University of Denver because we believe that provides us credibility and they have great ideas that help us advance what we're looking for. But we also want to publish everything that we do, whether it's our code, whether it's our data, because we want other people to be able to replicate those studies. And we want other brands that we work with to say, oh, cool, this is how you did it. This is how we might improve that. And then we can start this deep collaboration, which is when really the best products come to market. So let's talk a bit about the 
categories that BOA is, say, has the biggest presence in currently. And then let's talk about some of the categories that you think have the most potential with this BOA fit system and what you guys are doing around here. So let's start with where is BOA biggest currently? Right now, I think our home and where we were born is in the mountains. So snowboarding is probably our nearest and dearest thing. It's something that we've been in since 2001, since the inception of BOA. And we own a large portion of the wall and we collaborate deeply and meaningfully with almost all the snowboarding brands. Another area where we excel is cycling. So we started with Specialized in the early 2000s, but we're now, again, almost with every brand, and we're trying to come up with new and integrative ways to apply BOA to make a cycling shoe fit better. And then lastly is actually workwear. So we have a really strong presence, especially in Northern Europe, in safety footwear, because there are a lot of attributes of BOA in our fit system that can make working potentially safer, which can be really helpful when you're trying to look at a mass audience of work folk. Yeah, apparently we don't like in certain jobs where suddenly you're dealing with an untied shoelace or something or tripping on them or that type of thing. So OSHA isn't a huge fan of that, maybe? I would imagine not. I don't want to speak for them. Um, And I think that's certainly an attribute where our system is going to, once you dial it in, you're not going to lose tension. You're not suddenly going to trip over the lace. Our lab is focused on taking it one step further and saying, okay, cool. That's great, but over the course of the whole workday, if you have a better fitting work boot, what other benefits does that give you? Well, what other benefits does that give you? Well, that's a good good question. That's some, something that we're working on right now. So some of the things that we see in very early studies is that if you can distribute pressure over the top of the foot more evenly in a work boot, that can make for the end of the day potentially some heat stress regulation, some landing attenuation better. Basically, instead of having a knot where you have a lot of tension in one spot on a work boot, if that pressure across the top of the foot is more even, it can lead to a bunch of other potential benefits. Um, Like I said, we're trying to be authentic, though. And so since we haven't done a huge peer-reviewed paper, we don't want to make any stake claims that we um, can't back up. But in general, we, we look at the endurance and health of workers and try to say that's where we think we can have a pretty large impact. Got it. So on the sort of wear side of things, there's actually been certain country or regional regulations that are like, we like your product because we don't have to deal with shoelaces coming untied. And so you're like, that's why we've been strong in those areas. And right now you guys are looking to examine some of the performance potential gains and maybe they're there or maybe they aren't. But the fact is there's a regulation that's like, we don't like shoelaces. Whereas in some of the other areas, whether it's running or other sports out there, where people are less about, oh my God, this massive problem of my shoelace is always coming untied, that's where you're trying to identify the specific performance gains when it comes to a better fitting product. How'd I do? Great. Yeah. Emerging categories. Speaking of like, you know, the work you're doing and finding the opportunities, let's talk about that. What do you see? Trail running for us is huge. We have a very large study going on with the University of Denver right now looking at how our fit system can affect endurance and health during long distance running. Um, I think that's a major focus for us and that's something that we have a lot of really interesting products going to the market right now. I mentioned already some of our products with La Sportiva like the Cyclone and Saucony. We also have the New Balance Hero on the market. 
as well as some other really exciting products from um, Adidas that are on the market and future ones that are coming soon. Other really interesting areas for us, like Kate said, we published a peer-reviewed validated study in agility and speed. And that ties in directly with some of our initiatives in basketball and court, like tennis. So we have some really interesting models like the Way of Wade, like um, the an Adidas tennis shoe, the Stycon that have come to market. And those have been really based on some of the work that we've done in the lab. Yeah. And then another one uh, for the North American audience um, they might not be as aware of is our presence in golf. Again, we talked about earlier, which is very popular in Japan, uh, maybe just some cultural differences there, but we're really working on expanding that presence in North America and proving that we can offer a meaningful performance benefit there. That was, yeah, we were talking earlier and I was like, golf, that's not some obvious category where it's like, oh, you need a BOA fit system on that shoe and then you're going to, you know, take a couple strokes off your handicap or whatever golfers say. I, I made that up on the fly, you know, apologies to actual golfers. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing because look, we, we live in a big world and it's not just a homogenous place. And I thought that was kind of an interesting thing when it's like these dial closure systems on golf shoes is like this thing. And it might not be in other parts of the world, but that's where it is in Japan currently. And I, I kind of like those local flavor elements. Bringing it back to running though, and I guess I want to like home in a little bit on trail running in particular. Again, the claim is that if you get a better fitting shoe, we should see performance gains. And I guess I'd maybe have you talk about say the track, running on the track versus running on the trail here. And what are some of the things that you are already seeing evidence of versus, I don't know, could also get into some hypotheses you have, but talk a little bit about that space. For sure. So one of the reasons we think trail is an important place for us to begin in the run market is because we saw such benefits in our agility and speed study. So we know when you're trying to change direction laterally really quickly and powerfully, we saw some pretty statistically significant benefits. We think that is what makes trail running unique. Um, Kate and I both ran track and cross country in college and Part of linear running is like, yeah, you know, not a lot of things tend to get in your way. Uh, there are a ton of myriads of ways to make somebody run better, but maybe in a very just straightforward run, it's less important. But when you think about what makes trail running special is people are traversing on these ridges where if they fall, they could literally die. And so this is where we say that is not only the epitome of endurance, but that is where you require agility. Because if you don't have agility, you certainly can't take an impact of your running. Um, and so that's where we started with trail running. And then we have worked, however, though, with the world's top sprinters. So Trayvon Bromel, a New Balance athlete, wore a track spike in the 2016 Olympics in the 200 meter final. And that is where I would say you start looking a little bit more at power. I mean, that is a powerful athlete trying to run around a 200 meter stretch in under 20 seconds. That's where you need that locked in, dialed in fit. And so I think it's two very different types of fit. And we've started maybe at the two extremes and then we're working our way towards the middle slowly. Can I ask you specifically about lateral stability, which obviously is a pretty significant element of off camber trail running. Do you think like, yeah, we don't really, we don't break the world down in quite that way, but it just strikes me that, and frankly, when I see some trail running shoe designs coming out on the market, I'm like, how on earth is that good for like 
off camber Rocky Rudy running. But so talk to me, is this something you're focused on or, or not so much? I'm not, I'm not thinking of it the same way you guys are. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, as Dan said, a lot of this stemmed from our work in uh, agility court type and field type sports where lateral movements are really important. And we do think that uh, translates onto the trail where you aren't just running in a straight line. You have to be able to dodge um, side to side through rock fields and whatnot. And I think our approach to how we think we improve it might be different. Um, as you mentioned, a lot of shoes talk about stability and lateral stability and primarily coming from the midsole. Um, we're thinking about more, how can we enhance the human body's own function? So if we can wrap the foot better and provide a better feel to the athlete or their proprioception is what we call it, um, can they have a better sense of their foot's lateral position and be able to control their foot a bit more effectively because they're getting better feedback from their shoe. So it's more about feedback than sort of an inherent, I don't know, rigid cage system to provide some sort of, I don't know, lateral stability in that sense. It's, it is a different way of looking at it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. As you said, instead of mechanically kind of blocking that, giving the athlete the freedom to move in the ways they need to, but that feedback to know, okay, it's time to reverse direction here. Um, and really just taking advantage of their own, their own musculoskeletal system. Just to then talk about a specific example that you showed me here, I thought it was pretty cool. Adidas Terex sent a shoe a lace configuration shoe. You guys are then looking at a different shoe and different with different, like a kind of different BOA configurations of it. And your job then is to actually report back to Adidas on like, here's where we saw performance gains or fit benefits. And here's where we couldn't come up with any data. But it was cool to see like, well, here's the shoe, a lace up version here's a shoe with a boa and you're going to be modifying and playing with that. Um, talk a little bit about that. Is that, is that just like, that's every day. That's the run of the mill stuff you do here. That is, that's really why our lab was built. We want to validate our methods with university of Denver, for example, but the goal of the lab that we're sitting in right now is to test products going to the market. So that Adidas Terex shoe that you talked about, we have a sample from their factory. That is how we, want them to make a boa version. And we also have a sample of a laced version. Everything else about the shoe is identical down to the midsole, outsole, how much material is on the upper. And then our job is to say, okay, why? Why are we doing what we want to do with boa? And the most simple tests, we might just run athletes through our normal testing methodology and say, great, this performed better. This felt better qualitatively. And here are the results. And we might, we'll usually break it into our endurance benefits, our agility benefits. But then sometimes we might recommend modifications. So we have a world-class team of prototypers here that can actually take the stitches out of the shoe, replace where guides go, replace where straps go, and then we can test the shoe again. And that's really powerful because we want to deeply collaborate during that design phase with the brand, in this case Adidas, and say, we think you should move this strap here, this couple centimeters, because it made X difference when an athlete was running down the trail. Again, like I think it's important to consider that we use these shoes in 
the validation study, let's say, where we show this X percentage improvement, but every shoe is a little different. The midsole outsole package is a little different. The materials are different. Um, the purpose of the shoe might be a little different, let's say, versus a, a track spike versus a trail shoe. And so we want to really make sure that we are fully integrated into that product. It's not a one size fits all, just slap it on. Um, we want to make sure that we've optimized what we know works for each condition. Have you guys found that a specific foot shape like tends to play better with the BOA system? Like, is it like, oh, people with super wide hobbit feet tend to love this or the opposite, right? People with super narrow feet tend to love this. What kind of feedback have you gotten along those lines? Uh, that's a really good question, actually, and something we're actively pursuing at the moment. So our hypothesis is we build our BOA configuration specifically to be able to adapt to uh, different foot shapes. Um, someone might have a high end step um, or a low volume foot, and we want to build configurations that will conform across their foot. But we want to, again, our, the goal is to be able to scientifically prove that. And so we're currently investing in a system that will be able to look at foot shape in really granular detail, not just your foot length and width, but how high is your instep? Uh, what's the girth across different points of the foot? And then to your point, be able to relate that to okay, someone with this foot shape, how did they respond to this shoe so that we can start to tailor our designs to different athletes' needs? I agree. It's a huge push that we're going for right now to try to understand that. And I think what's really cool is we're going to have in the next couple of years a database that a lot of other brands might not have because we test so many different types of shoes, different straps, and different types of athletes mm -hmm. that once we have scans of every single person's foot and how they performed in a different shoe – we're super excited to see what sort of insights we can derive in the next year or two. Well, I've taken up a good chunk of your day already. And so I, I want to let you guys get back to work. And in fact, like literally this afternoon, you guys are out. You're going to be on a trail today testing. What are you doing today? So we have two athletes testing trail running shoes that will hopefully be coming to market in spring of 22. We have what we call the BOA Trail Loop. It's in Boulder, Colorado. Um, so for anybody that's familiar with the landscape, it's a 2K loop that has about 400 meters of climbing and loss. And it has some really technical rocky sections. It has a really smooth buffed out section. And so we collect a bunch of data on the athlete from forces underneath of their foot to pressures on top of their foot to inertial measurements to tell us how much their different joints are moving when they're running. And we'll have them do this 2K loop in each of the pairs of shoes. And once we collect enough athletes and we randomize the order, we'll get some really good insights to give back to the brand. You just have to be fast enough to keep up with them, which is challenging. That's my question. <laughs> like how, how are we talking sort of average athletes? Are we talking elite athletes? Who's coming today? Like you don't have to name names, but what, where are we in the category of we run the gamut. Today, I would say we've got some really, really solid local athletes, okay. but we have tested athletes that have been top five at world championships. Um, a lot of times, Kate or I have to be running near enough them so that the products can, our sensors can be feeding back, so it can be a really good challenge for us. I also have a Husky, and we've toyed with putting the, the receivers in the Husky's backpack because certainly nobody can outrun her, so... <laughs> So you're saying your Husky is the fastest runner you've maybe been out with, with the sensors? Without a doubt. Wow. Okay. This is, this is good. Yeah, this could, yeah. What's the Husky's name? 
Lilo. Lilo. So Lilo really should have a job at the Performance Fit Lab, right? Let's get let's get this on Lilo on staff here. She unofficially has a job okay. here. <laughs> okay. Well, that's really interesting, and I think we I'm glad we touched on that because we hadn't yet talked about the part where you guys actually go outside and try to keep up with athletes and are and are paying attention to sensors and the rest on the trail. And I mean, that's a pretty significant part of what you're doing, right? So I'm I'm glad we touched on that and Lilo. Yes, for sure. That's, I mean, that's a large portion of our job. And then the second portion is translating those results to people. And this is kind of why some people don't really believe your job is a real thing, right? You're like, I put sensors on people and then we go run with my dog. Yeah, it's a weird job for sure. (laughs) Um, Before I let you go, let's just talk a little bit about a couple shoes currently on the market. You already said one of the best things that a person can do if they're curious or still skeptical about the the boa system is to go get one of these snowboard boots or go get into a running shoe so let's talk about what is currently available on the market that some people could go check out i would say the saucony switchback 2 is an awesome example we're sitting next to a bunch of pairs that we actually tested in the lab and this is one of the shoes that we truly took through the process that how we ideally want to take it from end to end And I think for a trail running shoe that's on the lighter weight side, it's really an incredible option. Um, La Sportiva has a shoe that's on the market right now, the VK, which is meant for vertical kilometer racing. And it will have another shoe coming out this spring of 21, the Cyclone. And that's another shoe that we've tested in the lab. And we're really confident once you put that shoe on, I think a lot of the things we talked about today will come to light. Just if you're not a runner, you might be, I uh, just recently got uh, snow new snowboard boots, which is super exciting. Yeah. So I personally am a big fan. Um, I like a stiffer boot. And so I think BOA does a really nice job of allowing you to really customize that better than you can in a lace. So personally, I just got the Burton Felix. And so I think I'd recommend checking that out if you like to get on the mountain soon. Hey, you two. Thank you. Appreciate the tour and getting to hear more about your own very impressive respective backgrounds and the stuff you're doing here. And I think it would be fun to, as you are kind of getting back more data, it would be fun to do a round two at some point, right? And because I'm, you know, I I said to you guys, and I I touched on this at the start of the conversation, you know, it was one of my very first touring ski boots that I was ever in that had a boa closure liner and I didn't love the boot. It was, it just, I didn't think it was a great boot. And I think I sort of lumped that. And by the way, it was like kind of creating a category, which is wild unfair to do to like the pioneer in a category to then be like, I didn't love that. So I think I'm done. And I, and it's been really interesting to come here today to talk to you guys, to see what you're up to And then to know, like, data is on the way. That's got me really kind of intrigued. So we'll stay tuned and maybe circle back and do another one of these sometimes. That would be fantastic. Thank you for having us. Thanks, you too. Uh, This was fun. And uh, good luck with everything you're up to. And and, uh, I think the coolest thing is, like, this is where it seems like it's just not the marketing talk. It's like, just you go do your job. You're going to find what you find. You roll those results out. That's going to be what dictates how products with the BOA system sort of move to market and how they don't. And I think that's pretty cool. So kudos. 
Thanks so much for coming out. This is fun. Go get on the trail. Talk to you later. Well, that's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Dan and Kate for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Crested Butte, Colorado, please be safe. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. Please keep moving forward. And we will talk to you again next week.